Welcome to Bulls Gold on Nothing But Net Radio, part of Dash Radio. I'm Salim Sutterwala, and as always, I'm joined by Edward Shirley Jr. How are you doing today, Edward? I'm good. We're fresh off a Bulls win, and they held the lead just like we were talking about before we started recording, and that's a relief. And uh, they won that game despite Zach Levine not having a big scoring night and some struggles from Kobe White. So uh, a pretty encouraging win. So I'm doing well. How about you? Yeah, yeah, can't complain after yesterday's, or not day before yesterday's tough loss. They kind of blew that, you know, they blew like two 15-point leads in the same game, plus 15-plus point leads in the same game, and just a frustrating loss. It was definitely interesting to see how they would come out today against a pretty good Dallas team against a top five, top three player in Luka, so... It was it was good to see them come out strong, not have their head down, and like you said, even without Zach playing at a high level as a scorer, uh, he did. I think he had a good game overall, though, because he did pass the ball well and and played good defense. I think that we'll get more into that later, but uh, yeah, you know, it's nice to see them come out, respond well, and pretty much hold on to the lead the entire game um, and and come away with the win. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we'll definitely get more into that. Uh, Zach Levine, Tennessee's two turnovers tonight against the Mavericks. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, to join us kind of uh, to go over the Dallas game and be nice to also get his thoughts on on how he sees the Bulls this early in the season. Obviously, we'll talk a little bit about the Mavericks too. But uh, returning is, for the second time, is Richard Stamen from Mavs Draft. Hey, Rich, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, yeah, I appreciate y'all having me. I uh I know we were talking about uh, how things looked nice. I cannot share the same sentiment. Uh, <laughs> let me just start off by saying I never want to see Garrett Temple on my screen again. <laughs> I never knew that man could be such a Mavs killer. Uh, he's He's been probably one of the most underrated uh, free agent signings. He's been really good for the Bulls all season, like as far as a veteran presence, a calming factor. So, yeah, it's, he's, been a, he's been a surprising uh, – uh, addition to the team. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how, uh, I don't know how Chuck couldn't get him on who he played for. He, he should be ashamed of himself on that one. <laughs> and that's, and that's why <laughs> yeah, he's, that was, that's why he's going off right now. I mean, he's got to get his, his respect yep. until Chuck can identify the team he plays for. <laughs> yeah. Ironically, since Barkley said the bulls were the worst team in the league and it's not close. I think they've actually had a winning record since then. So. <laughs> Sounds right. Everything Barkley says, it's the opposite. Exactly. Exactly. I think. Uh, but yeah, you know, we're we're fresh off the game. Obviously, getting our our uh, emotional responses. Obviously, you being a Mavericks fan, not too happy with uh, how everything went. It's it's crazy to see. Like I, I'm obviously you guys have some injuries. There's no doubt, and it's a thinner roster because you're missing Josh Richardson. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. and also Brunson, but I feel like it's weird. I feel like this Mavs roster is thin. It feels thin. I don't know if it's just the injuries or just overall. It just doesn't. Outside of Luca and obviously Przingis is coming back finally. Uh, hopefully he can stay healthy. But it just seems like they struggle when Luca's not on the floor. Yeah, and it doesn't help the Maxi Kleba, uh, Dwight Powell, and Dorian Finney Smith were out too. I mean, it's a long, it's a laundry list of names. They um. They definitely missed their depth, especially. I mean, I think Dorian Finney-Smith hurts the most. But like you said, the damage was worse when Luca was off. There's a reason he had to play almost 38 minutes, and minutes were brutal without him. 
I, I don't even want to know what those numbers looked like with him. And uh, it, it was it was just rough. And it didn't help look at the box score. Porzingis went nine and nineteen. Which you guys have ever gotten that based on watching? It felt like he missed every single shot. Oh yeah, it definitely felt like. Uh, Stacy made made uh, a note of it. He's just like, yeah, Kristaps keeps missing these threes. He went from zero for seven from three in that game, but he was getting he was getting good looks. So it, it was interesting yep. because it wasn't taking bad shots. It just wasn't making them. I think a lot of the shots he did make were like easy put-ins, like from drives from Luca dishing it off to him. I think it was like three or four of the buckets that he made were at the rim, where where Luca just set him up nicely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or it was that or like putbacks, simple putbacks. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, Luca, he was insane in the first half. He had 30 points in the first half, and it looked like he was going to go for at least 50 or 60 by that pace, but he only had 36 uh, in the game. But, I mean, still a 36 point, 16 rebound, 15 assists game is nothing to uh, be ho-hum about, but... Uh, what do you what do you, what do you thought about what you've seen from Luka Doncic this season so far? I mean, we always look forward to watching these Dallas Mavericks games just to see Luka, and I mean, he, he's still one of my favorite players to watch. So, what do you thought about how he's looked so far this season, including this game? Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's finally got himself together after being out of shape to start the year. He's played himself into shape. Still a little bit of an issue. I think he got gassed today. That's a big part of why he went six second half points. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall he's been impressive. I think he hunts for fouls a little bit too much, even though he still gets a lot of calls, but, uh, that's probably the biggest area I still have concerns with. Obviously he started shooting slow, but that's really not an issue. I think eventually those numbers will even out, but he's been great. Like it's funny because even his worst games, which I think he had like a 24, eight and eight game or something like a few games ago and people are like, Oh my God, he's an MVP candidate. And then you look at his numbers and, uh, and he still has, most guys in the league's dream night <laughs> on a bad night. So he's been incredible. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I, I looked at his halftime stat line. I was like, man, that's a great game for like 90, 95% of the league. This, this is his halftime stat line. His, his line, his lines are always like, just like, I always call him a cheat code because the things he does out there, are just the, like he, he hit like four in a row, step back threes, just casually on the uh, today, and then the passes that he makes, the dishes, his vision on the court, everything about him is just like this guy. Like I don't know how anyone in their right mind thought this guy wasn't going to be great. And I still, to this day, I'm. I think ten years from now, I'm still going to be like people thought this guy wasn't going to be great. How? How? Um. <laughs> Yeah, no, there are so many people eat their words and then they act like, or actually most just act like they're like, oh, I like Luca, <laughs> and then just play it off. But there were so many people do online, Twitter, everywhere uh, that were saying like, oh, you don't want to take this guy. He's fool's gold, things like that. And man, anything but. Yeah, I, I, I'm by no means a draft expert, but just from my amateur draft background of watching youtube highlights and watching some college basketball games luca is probably outside of like zion williamson and maybe a few others luca is probably the easiest player that you knew he was going to be really good in like the first minute of watching any type of video on him like the first pass you see him make you're like whoa 
<laughs> like that's about it like that, that's all i need to see so it, it's just insane to see how good he is not even good how great he's been as a pro and he's not even like 23 or 24 or even 25 yet i mean the numbers he's been putting up are absolutely yeah, he turns 22 next month yeah that's that's a scary thought that's a very very scary thought he's just turning 22 next month out uh, we, we were talking about Kristaps porzingis and how he struggled shooting the ball uh from the perimeter in this game again 0 for 7 from 3 but uh his counterpart on the chicago bulls lowry marketing continues to have really good games against Dallas and really good games against Christos Porzingis. I don't know what it is, but whenever he plays Porzingis, Lowry Markin really just awakens and he just plays really great. I mean, he played uh, played 32 minutes tonight, led the Bulls in minutes, uh, 29 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, shot 10 of 19 from the field, two for seven uh, from three. And he got to the line about eight times in this game. And uh, this is Markkinen's, uh second game back, I believe, after coming back from being a close contact of uh, corona, a little small coronavirus outbreak on the team. So to see him have this game and his second game back was really encouraging. Uh, what, from an outside point of view, what did you think of how Larry Markkinen looked in this game? Yeah, I so I'll preface this with I missed on Markkinen, uh in the draft. I thought he was really overrated in 2017, but he's looking at the worst like solid his whole this is what his fourth year i think mm-hmm. um he's looked really solid every year something i don't know if he didn't like the dirt comparisons he hates playing against dallas or something or he hates dallas um but i still have issues obviously with his defense um uh, i i still can't figure out how much it holds him back um but like there's a lot of fours in the nba that just can't do what he can do that combination is pretty coveted uh, I think the question just becomes as he matures into that second contract, probably next year he takes another step forward. Um, and I think that's a big variable. If he doesn't, there might be some flags. Is he just like a good player? I don't know. I, I think though, overall, like you, you don't find offensive players as gifted as him at that size. Um, and I do think that, I don't think Chicago keeps him long-term. That's my bold take. I don't know how bold that actually is, but I, I really am excited to see what his offensive breakout looks like. So I don't think we've seen it yet. Yeah, it's not it's not too bold at all because uh, I I think we've all discussed that there's definitely a chance that Lowry Markkinen walks in the offseason because the Chicago Bulls do not. Well, they, they have the cap to keep him, but it's a matter of whether or not this new regime feels like he's worth at least a market or above market deal. And now with all of the coveted free agents of this upcoming summer re-signing with their teams a lot of these teams who are planning for this summer to spend lavishly are not going to have as many players to spend it on so those like Lowry marketing are going to have suitors because somebody has to spend the money and they got to spend it somewhere and Lowry marketing who is going to be still not in his prime yet still kind of you know kind of growing into himself as a player He's going to be he's definitely going to be a target for a lot of teams. And I I think the one thing that we were discussing in the last show is the Bulls were playing so well by having these lineups that were very versatile with uh, Patrick Williams, Otto Porter, uh, Garrett Temple, just having a lot of like three, four, two, three, like just so much so many guys that could play different positions. And we didn't know how Lowry marketing would fit in that because he can't really guard a specific position on the floor and even sometimes in this game you saw when he was playing center like guys could just get past him and get to the rim so uh it 
it's not a bold take by any means. I, I think we're all interested to see what Larry Markkinen becomes this season and what his long-term uh, case is if he does lead the Bulls. Yeah, and it's not the Bulls front office, like the current front office's guy either. Like they didn't draft him. So that yeah. also is a big part of that, uh, why I said that prediction too. So I'm yeah. glad it wasn't that bold. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it definitely isn't. And, and the other thing I also question is his position. I know you mentioned him as the four, but I, I think he's probably more of a five and, than a four in today's league. Because when you look at the fours in today's league, I think as they're, as, as they're more evolving, they're guys more so that can kind of are bigs, but they can kind of switch onto the perimeter, kind of play the three sometimes, but defend on the perimeter as well. And Lowry just isn't that guy. And that's why I feel like a lot more times is he's too slow footed to defend on the perimeter. So I feel like he's probably more of a four slash five, but his defense is so bad that I just question how, how he would be as a starter in mm-hmm. this league. So he's probably might be better as a long-term, like a guy, like a sixth man coming off the bench, giving you a nice scoring punch. That's, that's probably my, my realistic expectations of Lowry long-term. And that's probably another reason why I do think, yeah, the Bulls will move on from him. And I think they should try to trade him again at, at the deadline um, to try to see if they can get some value. I don't, I know with having his restrictive free agency rights, Mike could be potentially like a, a, a like an added bonus for some team that might not have the cap space and say, you know, oh, we like Laurie and maybe we'd like to keep him long term. Maybe you can get something for him from a team like that. Um, I'm not sure, but yeah, I think I I would be kind of surprised, and I'm along the same lines as you guys that if if that Larry would not be on the team next season. Yeah, you think he's a you think he's a sell high? Uh, I mean, because he's he's played he's played fine this season. Like the numbers are cool, and I think his efficiency is good. But you think he's a sell high right now? And there could even be a, a case that uh, even if you do if you even if you don't move on from him at the trade deadline, then there's some flexibility in possibly swinging a sign and trade perhaps in the off season. Uh, maybe, I mean, I'm just spitballing, but maybe you could find a trade where you can bring in another playmaker in exchange for Lowry Markin. I don't know. It'd be something really creative. Yeah, definitely. And it, it'll be interesting to see what the bulls, you know, are able to kind of do with in that sense. I think there's probably going to do some kind of roster shake up, but See, seeing this backcourt, uh, I would love to get Rich's thoughts on, on the Bulls' backcourt. Obviously, Zach is having a, a really strong season as a scorer. I think we've seen some development in his uh, ability to play make. Like you saw today, he was really doing well with his floor game setting guys up. What have you seen from Zach early on this season uh, that you've noticed maybe? Man, so, I mean, his playmaking is pretty improved this year. Um, I mean, he went one of eight tonight. He still played really well. Uh, just insane separation ability. I mean, all year I've been impressed. You know, last last game he started nine of nine or whatever against Dallas, and then the Clippers game I remember he went off. Um, and somehow people still think he's empty stats. Uh, <laughs> can't get behind that one at all. But he, I really like Zach Levine. I don't think there's really any debate. Not too much controversy around him anymore. Being obviously a cornerstone guy, kind of guy for the Bulls. Uh, Kobe was. Kobe's been good this year. He had a terrible game, but he's been good this year, especially like his playmaking has been a lot better too. And I think this seems like there's a common denominator here, um, which is probably the coaching that both of those guys have taken steps forward in the playmaking department. I think uh, I I still am on the train that they 
do need a more traditional point guard, uh, probably alongside those two, but uh, which obviously makes you can't really you have to have them as the one two. Uh, I don't know how much I trust Kobe running the offense, but I really do like the talent at least of those two together. Yeah, I, I think it, at least for me, I'm fine if Kobe White is a six man off the bench. I don't want to. I don't want to say that to limit his his ceiling of what he can be, but I'm all for putting Kobe in the best position for him to succeed. And sometimes we we or not even sometimes a lot of times we see that is just him getting in his bag as a scorer and playing off the ball. He's a sweet off the ball shooter and just compliments. Uh, can can complement Zach Levine really well in that regard, but there are definitely a lot of possessions that we see where this team badly needs just somebody who can get the team in their sets, can create for others, and get the ball zipping a lot more. Even though in, in a game like this, they did do a, a much better job of sharing the ball, and when that happens on a team like this, they can they can be a problem because there are some there, there's improved shooting here there's improved scoring here and when you get everyone involved like it it can make it difficult even for a really good team like Dallas so uh yeah I, I still would love to see a uh, playmaker but uh going back to Zach Levine we were talking about this before uh, you you joined the you joined the uh, recording and we were talking about how. Zach Levine's perception is uh, among the league and from his critics. And you pointed out that one of the common critiques is that he's empty calories, he's empty stats. But when we look at what he's done since joining the Bulls and we can, I'm going to throw out the season where he came back from the ACL because he was obviously not right. And he was obviously just trying to overcompensate for being on a minutes limit and just taking shots whenever he was in a game. Ever since that season, Zach Levine has been damn good. And I, I was asking Salim the question uh, before we started recording as to whether or not Bulls fans should really uh, consider whether or not Zach Levine's chances of, or not chances, but maybe the desire to keep Zach Levine long-term should increase because at this point, I just don't see how you can let a player like him just just go for even like draft picks at this point. Like, I, I'm not saying he's untouchable by any means, but it, for me, it's hard to think of a trade that a, a practical trade that if the Bulls trade Zach Levine and the Bulls Bulls fans see it, they're like, yeah, I feel really great about this. Great for the Bulls future home run deal. I just don't see that. So what do you think about about that? Do you think Zach Levine should be a long-term piece for this Bulls team, given how he's been playing, not just this season to start, but he's he's been improving each season he's been here? Yeah, with Zach Levine, I think he has to be a cornerstone piece. You know, uh, even after today's – or entering today's game, he was averaging 28 points per game, which those guys just don't grow on trees near 30 points per game scores. Um and he's such a great shot creator and shot maker by that stuff. It's rare. Whenever you get that high volume score, I think you have to keep them around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and that's the key, right? When, when you, people talk about obviously the empty calories and, you know, good uh, leading score on a bad team, those guys are usually not very efficient. You know, they'll, they're, they're, they're true shooting percentages will be like low fifties usually because they're kind of just chucking shots up and, because, like they said, they're on a bad team. But 
you look at Zach's efficiency, it's all it's always above league average, but this season He's as he started out, his true shooting percent is 63%, which is in the realm of guys like Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. And obviously, I'm not saying he's as good as those guys, but as he's scoring 28 points a game and has elite efficiency. That's that's not something just it's like that's a handful of guys in the league that can do that. So you have to respect that ability in him. And it's 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 hard for the Bulls to say, look, we should move the move him because you're probably not going to get the value you want in him in return uh, compared to what he's worth. And then I don't know how you become better as a team necessarily if you move a player like him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you could get a good return. Don't get me wrong. I just, I don't know if it necessarily comes out positive. Like I think if Zach Levine goes to a team that needs that score. I mean, if you put him, for example, in Dallas, you see how much better that team is. Like there's, in my opinion, that pushes them to title contention. Like you yeah. and Dallas can't get a proper return. There's, it's the same thing with Bradley Beal. I mean, it's, you got to keep those guys at all costs. Like the trade value, you could get a lot, but I mean, the odds of actually finding someone just as good in, in that package is pretty rare. Yeah. That's a, yep. that's a conundrum because he's, it, it, it's like we, when we, when we talked about trading Jimmy Butler and, and of course, Zach Levine is not as good as Jimmy Butler when the Bulls traded him, but when you talk about trading a player like that, you're always going to get less. And the expectation is that for you to make that deal work, you have to turn that less into more by drafting well and making good use of your assets. And I'm not saying that this new regime can't do that, but if you look at this Bulls team going forward, there really aren't a lot of hefty financial commitments. Uh, They have the ability to pay Zach Levine market value i don't think he's going to get the max but they have the ability to pay him and i still think they have the ability to build a team with that salary that can still be good so it to me it really just depends on whether or not this front office feels like that they can reshape this roster into a pretty good team uh in the next couple of years and if they can then zach levine still makes perfect sense because i for me, I don't view this as like a, a top to bottom rebuild. Like at, at this point, it's just it's too far down the road to do that. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, you kind of have to commit or not commit. You know, like it's it's a one or the other. You can't really stay in the middle. I don't think anymore. Yeah, and like so I, floating between. Sorry, floating between which one you're going to do. Yeah. I should say. So going going into the draft, kind of shifting a little bit here, but going to the draft, I think you're one of the people that had Patrick Williams kind of rising in the draft boards. I remember when when we had you on talking about what the Bulls should do, uh, we had briefly talked about Patrick Williams, and now today he struggled a little bit. I think uh, had 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 his problems again uh, defending Luca, and just overall didn't play that well. So. Uh, Billy kind of kept his minutes low, but what have you seen from Pat this early in this rookie season and things that you've liked about his game and, and or have been maybe a little impressed with? Yeah, his defense. I mean, I remember his defense being impressive to me at FSU and I never understood. I, I kind of stopped listening to people who I don't need to believe. They're like, oh, he's not a good defender. And I'm like, what? Yes, he is. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't see how he's not like, and he doesn't know how to play defense. That's like a different topic, but like he's still so raw on defense, but he's so productive on the defensive end. He, I mean, we saw the Clippers game where he stayed with Kawhi Leonard. He won a lot of battles with him on the defensive end. 
Uh, and then you go to the offensive end, his handle is really clean. The jump shot, the spot up jump shot is really nice. Uh, I don't know what the percentages are, but I remember he hit one today. Uh, so maybe it's just a little bit of recency bias, but overall, I've been so impressed for someone who's so raw. I mean, I had him ninth on my board. I, I think we talked about it. I had him as the number one FSU prospect. Um, when most of draft Twitter, I mean, they loved Fasel, who is a great player, but I mean, Patrick Williams upside is crazy high. Yeah, coming into this game, uh, Patrick Williams was averaging uh, shooting splits of 49% from the field, 48% from three, and uh, 87% from uh, the free throw line. Now, obviously, uh, the three-point percentage is off kind of small volume, like he's taking about two a game. But, I mean, still really encouraging signs from what we've seen from him offensively. Like, the mid-range – to me, his mid-range game looks – very clean and his shot looks very fluid when he can get to his spot and he can stop and pop from mid-range I love the mid-range game I think he looks good in the corner three but the three overall and we were talking about this on our last show it feels like it it feels like he still has to gather a little bit it's still like he's not used to the range quite yet because he it's like it's not a fluid motion yet and he, he gets a he gets a ton of arc on it I think he was joking that uh when he used to shoot the three in high school, like he was saying that, uh, <laughs> like it would keep hitting the roof and shit like that. So <laughs> he's definitely, he's definitely, I mean, got, yeah, he's got a moon ball with it. <laughs> yeah. And the mid range was, he showed so much of that at FSU. Like that mm-hmm. was, that was honestly like his, arguably his bread and butter offensively was that, was that mid range. They would put him against the zone and he would make teams pay. That's where he got a lot of his points from. Yeah. So w- what do you, uh, I, I know you're on board with the pick and at the time a lot of Bulls fans were kind of looking at it like eh, I don't know about Patrick Williams because he doesn't seem like a, a superstar talent and to me I that doesn't really matter in my judgment because what I look at this pick as is the first step in what the Bulls are trying to do to build an identity with this roster and when you get a player like Patrick Williams who comes with so much versatility not only on the offensive end but also on the defensive end I feel like that kind of sets the tone and we've already been seeing some of that uh, to start the season because the lineups that he in that he's in especially with Otto Porter where they can where you really don't know which one of them is the three or the four I like that a lot so like what have you what have you thought of his versatility? Just it's it, it just seems like he's a very important piece to what this team could be. Sort of like if we're using the Denver comparison since Carnivus came from there, sort of like in the way that Jeremy Grant, who's now flourishing in the on the Pistons, kind of helps some of the versatility on the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, and sorry, you cut out at the beginning. You're t- you're talking about Patrick Williams, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Patrick Williams. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, man, I, I feel like he can do so much. One thing I really liked about him was his playmaking as a potential combo forward, which combo forwards are a rare breed. Those guys don't come around often. Uh, for example, in this draft, I don't think there's a single one um, off the top of my head. And that, it's just such a rare build at that 6'8", six, 6'9", six, range that can they can handle the ball. They can make passes both hands with the, off the live dribble. And then you go defense and he can guard. I mean – what would you say you can guard two through four? Could you throw ones and fives in there? I, I'm pretty mm-hmm. confident on two through four, but would you say you can go that too? Yeah, I, I think you could. I could. I think you could guard one through four. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say. Like, I mean, there's obviously going to be some he can't because no four can, but or three four. But 
yeah, the versatility. I mean, he's a perfect glue guy at the very least. I mean, you look at almost like the Draymonds, how they can just do anything at any given time. They anything they're asked to do, they pull it off. That it's hard not to see that potential with Patrick Williams. Mm. Not calling him a Draymond, of course. No, definitely. <laughs> that, would, that would be pretty awesome if he did turn into a Draymond. Uh, but we'll, we'll see his development. He's definitely been very surprising and encouraging stuff that we've seen from him. Uh, Rich, I know you got to get going here shortly. Just let, one last question for you here. Um, as you've seen so far for what the Bulls have done this season, uh, what are your thoughts at, at, that you'd probably like to see for them for the remainder of this first half? And what do you think maybe the AK should look into doing with the roster before the trade deadline? I think you got to upgrade point guard. Um, the first thing that comes to mind, I mean, getting a point guard on the trade market is pretty obvious. As much as Ryan Archie Diakono is good, and um, I, I do feel like they need a more, I don't want to say this is going to be really blunt, just a better playmaker um off the bench i feel like would be really helpful um because i feel like it's a lot of guys on that team that are doing more than they're asked to do or more than they should be asked to do excuse me uh play a little bit out of their um i don't want to say out of bounds but you know what i mean like they're just Mm. just asked to do more so kind of just getting someone who makes that a little easier i think a traditional point guard makes that easy i mean you look at ish smith uh would be someone that immediately comes to mind um but i really do think chicago should and could have playoff expectations orlando Cleveland and Charlotte are the six, seven, eight seeds. They're not staying at six, seven, eight. I mean, I'm partially a Magic fan too, and uh, that team's going to be tanking. So, I I think like that's an open playoff spot. I don't see why Chicago can't hop in there. Um, I I just I really think this is a playoff caliber team. That barring injury, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be a playoff team. I think that should be the full expectation. Uh, now, however, if a trade offer for someone like Lowry Marketing comes up, and you know you're probably not keeping him. Um, Go ahead and make the move. See if you think that. I mean, how many games did they play without him before he came back? Is it's only like his second game, right? Third game. Yeah, I think he missed like six or I think he missed like six games. Yeah. Right? And if you think that's a legit sample, like if that's legit that you can win without him and get value back, absolutely do it. Uh, I don't think you can afford to trade like Zach Levine or something. But yeah, I would say just capitalizing on the trade market would be the biggest goal for the year while trying to make the playoffs. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think. I think you pretty much nailed it accurately that a point guard allows everyone to fall into the roles that they are meant to play much easier, i.e. Kobe White doesn't have to run an offense. Kobe White can just score, sit back, catch and shoot, do what he does best and not really worry about running the offense. He could run the offense when it's advantageous rather than run the offense because it's a necessity. Exactly. It's like, well, Rich, thank you so much for joining us. Want to uh, drop your Twitter handle where they, where our listeners can follow you, and maybe any work that you're uh, looking uh, working on uh, that you want to let them know about as well. Yeah, uh, at Mavs Draft on Twitter is where most of the stuff is published. Um, MavsDraft.com, and I do Mavs Draft podcasts on Apple and Spotify. I am going to be doing a big board pretty soon, uh, taking my stab at it, probably top thirty. Uh, the Bulls have their pick this year, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, you'll definitely want to see that. There's a lot of guards in this class, so uh, this is a good year for y'all. <laughs> this would be a great, great time to uh, fall up to Cade Cunningham or uh, Jalen Suggs. <laughs> <laughs> or Shugs, Jalen Shugs. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's that's all the reason. That's the other reason I kind of am okay with if the Bulls end up in that like 11th to 12th spot. And so yeah. they they avoid kind of that uh, playoff. We see improvement. 
but you kind of see if you can roll the dice on getting a, a one of these guys. But yeah, we'll see how the rest of the season go. But thank you again so much for joining us. Yeah, man, appreciate it. Yeah, man. thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. So, Edward, uh, looking at the rest of this schedule, not rest of the schedule, I should say, but the upcoming week schedule, we have some interesting matchups coming up for the Bulls. I think you have that Rockets game. I think, like I said before, last season when we were – last season, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> last week when we were recording and we were talking about that Houston game and seeing that Harden trade happen, I think they're going to be actually even without Levert. Oh, not Levert, sorry. Um, who, who did who did the Rockets end up getting? Uh, Oladipo. Oladipo, that's right. Yes. Uh, yeah. So we'll see how that how he mixes in with them. But I think that could be winnable, especially with the way the Bulls have been playing. Um, then you got Charlotte. That's a winnable game. LA Lakers is going to be tough. Uh, next Saturday, but I, I I think you know this week I I want I want to say like we could probably go two and th- one. I think so. I think you're on track with that. Um, Houston, it definitely depends on the players who. Well, that game is on uh, Monday, so it definitely depends on the who's going to be available. Uh, Charlotte to me uh, is actually a really interesting game. It is it is a winnable game, but Charlotte has been playing. Uh, uh, they've been playing decent basketball. I think uh, they've been in they've been competitive in a lot of games, and they beat some uh, pretty good teams. And uh, if it, it just depends on whether or not uh, I know Gordon Hayward missed a game, but I think he should be playing. But uh, Hayward has been playing well. Terry Rozier has actually been having a really good season so far, and Lamelo Ball has been uh, excellent off the bench for them. So they've been playing a uh, pretty solid basketball, and we know what we can expect when. They play the Lakers. Uh, they were they were in that game. It was close. So can they find ways, as Billy Donovan has been saying, to figure out how to win against some of these veteran teams who have that championship experience, who have that playoff experience? This is a young team that doesn't really have any of that. So it's tough to learn on the fly. But once they do, it can really start clicking. Yeah, the uh, and the caveat being with the Lake against the Lakers, AD was out. I think because of the back to back situation, yeah. I'd be probably surprised if they LeBron and AD sat out uh, just because they don't have a back to back. They're they're off Friday and then they don't have a game on Sunday. So I think you'll probably see a full Lakers squad. Um, it is at home, but obviously there's not really a home court advantage right now just because obviously there's no fans. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it'll be a good test if if they can keep that close. It'll be encouraging. Again, like I said, you know, we're not in moral victories are you know are what it is. But like if if they compete against a tough Lakers team and are able to keep it close and and compete with them, you you feel encouraged with that. Yeah, and and just like you were saying a few minutes ago, and for me, this was always my expectation and hope out of a season: wins and losses. That's whatever with me this season. If if the Bulls lose, like if the Bulls lose forty or what, 41, 42, that's fine. What we're looking at is how this team can gradually grow into developing winning habits. How they can gradually develop into progress in that area. And so far, they are playing a brand of basketball that not only is practical for the players that are here. But the players are getting it. The players are listening to the coaching staff and they're they're doing the right things. You look at this game today 
uh, against Dallas and players are sharing the ball. They're playing well together. They're responding together. They they know that they can't blow these leads. Like, and I'm not saying there's not going to be any rough times the rest of the season, but it, it's good to see them answer the bell in a game like this after a, a really tough loss against the Oklahoma City Thunder on uh, Friday. So I, I like what I'm seeing. And, you know, getting a, a getting a favorable traffic, I mean, that's just icing on the cake. But more importantly, seeing them make progress in these games, seeing them play a brand of basketball that makes sense, seeing players like Zach Levine, uh, Patrick Williams, Wendell Carter Jr. playing uh, at a better level is it's really encouraging so far. So you really have to give your hats off to the uh, to the coaching staff. Yeah, exactly. It's the development. That's a key. That's what mm-hmm. we were saying, and that's what we wanted to see. I think you got to give credit to AK and and Mark Eversley for coming in and acknowledging that our, our development staff was just archaic. Like they had one guy. They Mark Eversley, you know, was very adamant and surprised that like wow i can't believe when (laughs) i came in they only had one person in charge of player development and you know they they remedied that right away they added all these different player development coordinators like three or four of them and then obviously you also had the coaching staff was built in in a sense to see bring in guys that can help develop players so that's been very encouraging and i think like i said we've seen some kind of growth from every player, I feel like I know Kobe's had his rough patches, but I think I've seen I've seen better from him at times. Uh, Zach, obviously, you know he's an older player, so how much improvement he can make are probably not as as big as these other younger players. But I think we've seen better from him. I think I've, we've seen him while he does make his bad decisions. He, I think we've seen him improvement as playmaking. I feel like this season alone, he's had more good playmaking games than he probably had all of last season for the most part, I I would say. Um, And I'm not just talking about assists. I'm talking about actually seeing the floor out there and getting easier looks for his teammates. Yeah. So Zach has been phenomenal. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think Wendell, we're seeing more confidence from him. Like he's, he's a very, we've talked about this often. He's a very confidence player um, where if he gets down on himself, he kind of, you know, starts shrinking a little bit, but he's been strong since that Warriors game um, or maybe a game after that. He's, he's been really, I mean, he was really good that Warriors game, but like I said, maybe a game before that, he was just really, he's been strong and he's been really good. He's been great defensively. Um, offensively, he's doing what he needs to be doing. He, I think he's cut down on the threes on the top of the key, but I'd like to see him take more corner threes, if you will. I think that'd be more of the right mindset for him, but he's been, he's been good. Like, I can't complain about Wendell at all. Uh, Lowry, obviously, we've seen some growth from him. Uh, Patrick Williams, like you mentioned, he, he's been encouraging his rookie season. So, yeah, like I said, we're, I think we're in a good spot right now, and, We'll continue to see if how this team, you know, plays game to game and how they come out. And we'll see. I think Rich said, you know, he thinks that they're a playoff team. Maybe they are. We'll see what happens as the season goes on. If some of these closer games, if they learn how to close, yeah, these wins could start stacking up. Yeah, it's possible. They could they could sneak into that uh 
into the uh, playing game. Again, I, I'm not expecting or holding the bar at that, but it's absolutely possible if things continue to click. And uh, like we were discussing earlier, the Bulls have been in a lot of these games that they've been playing uh, lately. You look at the last, uh, uh, you look at the games before uh, the game against Dallas uh, today. They lost OKC by two. They lost to the Clippers by three. They lost to the Lakers by two. They lost to the Kings by four. They beat Portland by three, beat Dallas uh, again by 10. And then after that, it was the, uh, or before that, it was the Milwaukee blowout. But they've been in these games. They've been putting things together slowly, piece by piece. And it's been really encouraging to see. And you mentioned Wendell Carter Jr. and what he's been able to accomplish this season and yeah he's been looking the part of a starting center he's been playing solid basketball I think on both sides on both sides he's averaging 17 10 uh three assists uh per game uh per 36 right now which is pretty solid production overall so I, I like what I'm seeing from Wendell Carter Jr and I still want him to shoot the ball uh I still want him to be smart about what those shots are but I am still 100 percent on the keep shooting threes Wendell Carter Jr campaign so uh let's see where that goes as well yeah definitely I think it's just all about getting the right type of shots for him and yeah and being smarter about it. So yeah, we'll we'll see how you know we'll see how they go, how they do the rest of this uh, for this upcoming week. But uh, as we wrap up here, Edward, any final thoughts that you might have? Uh none, none for me. Uh, like I said, I've been very encouraged from what I've seen from this Bulls team lately, and they've been playing close games. They've been playing entertaining basketball. They have, the coaching staff is doing what they need to do to put this team into the best position to succeed. And I'm enjoying it. Like, it's, it's a good time to, it, it's again, it's a good time to be a Bulls fan right now. We're seeing, we're seeing what the front office last year wanted to see from this team. They just didn't know how to do it. So now we have competence in here and players are actually figuring out how to execute. So we're seeing the, we're seeing the results of that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it, it's, it's, it feels good to be a Bulls fan right now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's a wrap for today's show. You know, as always, you can follow us at, on Twitter at Bulls Gold. You can follow Edward at Edward Shula Jr. and me at Jordan Dynasty. Don't forget to tune in every Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net Radio Station. If you missed any previous episodes, you can find us on on uh, excuse me. You can find us on all major and minor pat- podcast platforms. And please subscribe and rate us uh, five on Apple Podcasts. Thank you again to Rich Stamen for joining us and to the listeners for tuning in. And as always, for Edward Schuler and myself, till next time, Bulls fans. Peace.